0: I owe these horses everything. They helped me build a business as a small female business owner. They helped get me to where I am today. And so even though the individual horses didn't do that, I know that all these rescue horses can touch other people the way that mine have touched my life.
1: Hey, we're Jan and Aaron, the real mother and daughter duo behind the multi-platform brand Trailblazer Co.,
2: We've been on the winding road of entrepreneurship together for over 23 years. We've learned a ton about each other, but more importantly, we've each developed ourselves into the women necessary to carry out our biggest dreams.
1: In 2020, we launched an international keepsake magazine called Trailblazer, where we tell the stories and share the wisdom and know-how of rural women across North America.
2: It's been a wild ride, and every day, we wake up with grateful hearts to be so immersed in the values and grit of these women. We've been witness to the bold actions, gutsy attitudes, resourcefulness, and the trailblazing traits that modern rural women have. These characteristics allow them to create wholesome,
1: bold, intentional lives, and we're here to deliver and help you explore these traits and attitudes so that you can develop the trailblazer in you, no matter where you live.
2: So buckle up, we're diving in deep to the values, mindsets, attitudes, and tools of trailblazers to help you cultivate a life at the crossroads of grit and passion. Gosh, true blue. Passionate. Say it like it is. Down to earth. Heart of gold. (sighs) Genuine. Yeah. Classy, graceful. (laughs) Hardworking.
1: Those Um, are some of the adjectives (laughs) we would describe. The wonderful, amazing woman we interviewed today, Kate Luca from Lucky break, horse rescue. And she's actually gracing
2: the cover of our spring 2024 issue of Trailblazers. This was an amazing follow-up from her feature article in our spring issue. And it was yes. so fun. I, My eyes welled up a couple times hearing her talk about what she talked about and really the mission behind her horse rescue nonprofit.
1: And for me, it was the second time because that talking to Kate because, of course, I interviewed her for her feature article. And so I'm just really, really happy that we could provide her with another platform to talk about the amazing work that she's doing. And I'll give you a sneak peek through her organization, her nonprofit. They have rescued over 500 horses in the U.S.
2: So on today's episode, listen to the whole thing until the end. I think it's important for you to hear not only what she's doing and why, but also who she is as a woman Mm -hmm. to have accomplished all of this. And yeah, the belief system. Yeah, she has some pretty strong
1: belief systems. And in the interview, you'll hear how those maybe were genetically passed down to her. (laughs) She's got some interesting stories of family members who... Were immigrants so here's a little bit more about Kate originally from Iowa Kate Luca made her way to Arizona about eight years ago and purchased a trail ride company just outside of Phoenix well originally she had leased horses from a summer operation up north she started building a rescue herd within the business for the first couple of years by year four all their horses were rescue horses And they were completely rescue operated.
2: So their horses came from the Slaughterhouse Pipeline, low dollar auctions, owner surrenders, state confiscation cases, and kill pens. And today they operate a nonprofit, Lucky Break Ranch Corp, and have saved over 500 horses to date. So I think she's one of those gals who you see on Instagram and you're like, is she really? Is she real? Is she she real? Is she really that nice and genuine and passionate And you know what? She is. All parts. So take her to enjoy this interview. Yeah. Listen to it and then come back and tell us. And oh, my God, wait until you see her on the cover of our spring issue. Enjoy. Kate, Luca, welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. We're excited to dive into the conversation today as a follow up from your feature article in our spring 2024 issue. So
0: just first of all, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, ladies. And thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you this morning. I'm really excited. I think your story
2: is and the mission behind what you're doing is going to touch a lot of hearts. And yeah, so we just excited to dive into your story. But before we do, for our listeners, just tell us who you are. What are you about? Where do you live? All the good
0: stuff.
1: Where you came from.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All of the things. Well, my name is is Kate. I'm cowgirl Kate online, which sometimes feels a little silly because I'm a first-generation horse girl. I own and operate Lucky Break Horse Rescue, which is in the greater Phoenix area. I'm from Iowa originally, so I've always been passionate about rural women, agriculture, and moved to Phoenix about seven or eight years ago to start a small business, which was Corral West Horse Adventures. We did trail rides in the Sonoran Desert, and then we morphed just into a full-time 501c3 here in the last two years. Okay. okay, what is what is a five? Uh, we're in Canada,
1: so <laughs> we don't know what that is. <laughs>
0: well, you guys don't don't have the pesky IRS up there. Uh, a five hundred one c three is a nationally recognized nonprofit here in the United States. Okay, oh. nonprofit. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. So charity non nonprofit basically, we're you know we can't collect funds. All of the funds get decided. What happens through our board. And then Alex, my husband, and I are just board members. We take care of the rescues. So nothing is held privately. And that way, the idea is whoever the beneficiaries are of a charity here in the United States, there's no financial gain that can be taken from stakeholders. Okay. 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 And did you grow up rural or how did you end up rural? That's such a great question. So it actually sort of skipped a generation. My parents are both college graduates that had full-time jobs, worked really hard to put me into horse lessons. But both sets of grandparents had rural backgrounds in Europe. My grandfather on my mom's side, when they immigrated here from the Schleswig-Holstein area of Germany, they actually started an ice company in Iowa. So they would cut ice from the river. They were also farmers, and they would drag the the ice back to town with a, a draft team. So I says. Kind of skipped a generation, but my first job out of college, I got to work for the Branstead administration, the governor of Iowa. Mm. Um, So really got to see great legislative advocacy for the Midwest, for Iowa. I got to go on a few trade missions to Europe and Asia and really see how soybean, corn, and pork production fed the world. So even though I didn't grow up on a farm, I've been surrounded by farmers, beef producers, and just have the utmost respect for everyone in that lifestyle.
1: Okay. Wow. wow. Okay. I just want to go back to the ice thing. Like <laughs> we've seen like old sepia pictures of men with their draft horse doing that. That's crazy to me. Was your grandfather gone by the time you were born or did you ever
0: get to talk with him about that? Or So there. there's actually a picture somewhere and I couldn't find it before today, but the black and white sepia tone, him and his draft team as a a little, little boy. But I just love the entrepreneurship of immigrants that left everything, came here and just worked their tails off. That's the American dream to me. He was also a, you know, he was a German immigrant that as soon as he turned 18, joined the Army Air Corps to fight for the United States against Germany in World War II. He was a belly gunner in a B-17, used his VA, VA bill, which is something we offer American veterans here for their service to go to Iowa State majored in forestry so i've just always admired his rugged entrepreneurial american dream mindset because that's what it's all about wow oh, completely what a what a
2: lineage to come from i mean it's that spirit of entrepreneurialism and pioneering yeah
1: yeah and there was one more thing that <laughs> in our interview for the article your great-grandmother was born in a covered wagon. Like, you have to tell us a little more about (laughs) that, because that's not what most people can say about their grandparents.
0: (laughs) So that was also on my mother's side, but her maternal side. So it would be my great-grandma Stater. And she immigrated from Europe as well. And they came to the Midwest, so Iowa, Wisconsin. And she was born in a covered wagon. And she went on to own a bar. And prior to and after Prohibition. She got a divorce in the 20s, 30s. So just total badass woman ahead of her time. At one point, her current husband got arrested for bootlegging during Prohibition and tax evasion. And so she ran everything by herself. So I wish my mom was here for more of the details. It's all been sort of oral tradition passed down in our family. But It's just, I've just always been blessed to be surrounded by people on both sides of my family that just said, well, watch me, I'm going to do it and Mm -hmm. we're going to make it work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
1: so when you bring that, you know, lineage forward and how you're actualizing it today, I can see, you know, where that grit comes from and that, uh, uh, that want to make a difference. So you bought the Corral West Horse Adventures and did you have a love for horses growing up? I know you said something about horse lessons. So where, where did this love or attraction or affinity for horses start with you?
0: I think horse girls are just born. You know, I think some of us are born into fifth, sixth generation horse or ranching homes. And some of us are just hatched, for lack of a better word. One of my mom's students, she was a teacher. One of my mom's students had an Appaloosa ranch, and my mom took me out there when I was three or four, had my first interaction with horses, and I was just hooked. But we lived in the suburbs, so my parents worked really hard to pay for boarding, lessons, hauling to Appaloosa shows, and actually my first rescue, Zane, looked just like the horse that I rode as a little girl in the Appaloosa Horse Club. And I've just been drawn to them. I think horses have a unique connection with people. I think we have a shared history in human development, horses and dogs. And I've just always been drawn to them. And I think that's why I got into rescue as a first-generation horse girl. I, I think I've never taken them for granted. And when I found out that American horses were being slaughtered abroad, I was a little shocked because to me, horses had always been this privilege. Every Christmas as a little girl, I would hope and pray that my parents bought me a horse. I mean, as an adult now, I know that was not a realistic Santa wish. Um, but for me, they've just always been this special privilege. And now it's an honor for me to be able to represent them since they can't speak for themselves.
1: Yeah. And mm. so what What were the steps or the path to
0: they, go? to yeah. the seed
2: of the idea? Like,
0: yeah. I'm
2: sure there's an experience that you had or something that you saw or that hit you and was like, there's got, I can
0: do I gotta something, do something about, this. about this. Yeah. So like I mentioned, the f- the first horse that I rescued looked just like this horse that I rode as a little girl. And I thought, maybe this is a scam. I don't know if this is a real thing. I'm going to send the money through PayPal goods and services. So I'm protected. And I got him home and he was just an incredible horse. And then I rescued another one. And then I purchased the business and I had this idea in the back of my mind Well, what if we can generate enough revenue to rescue a few more horses? We'll have Wranglers ride them. I will lease a herd from another operation closer to you guys um, that's open in the summer, closed in the winter. So it'd kind of be an exchange lease program. But what started happening is I started rescuing better and better horses that I could put guests on right away. And I realized, oh my gosh, amazing horses are being dumped due to financial situations, divorce, changes in family, moving. Every day. Um, and so fast forward three or four years after we started the business, we became an all rescue herd. Um, which people said we couldn't do. They also said we couldn't have mares in our dude string. You know, I was a female in a male dominated world with all these old men telling me you can't have mares in your dude string when they're in heat. And we actually ended up having more mares than geldings taking care of our guests, which, which I think is a testament to females being. Underappreciated and misunderstood across theses. Um, but for me, it became, you know, we were the number one tourist attraction on TripAdvisor in Phoenix. And that's all a testament to leading with our why. We loved sharing with our customers. I don't know that my insurance company knew what we were doing, but my horses were, were, were just as safe or safer than the horses we started with that were not rescues.
1: Ah, uh, there's nothing like the nostalgic smell and feel of turning the pages of a real print publication, collecting and cherishing the stories and wisdom within its pages to draw upon time and time again.
2: Hey, we're Jan and Aaron, creators and founders of Trailblazer Magazine, and we're all about helping you carve out time for yourself. We encourage getting lost in the world of breathtaking photos and immersive storytelling. Trailblazer Magazine is the perfect companion for those wanting to grow the Trailblazer within.
1: By exploring the stories, wisdom, and know-how of modern rural women, you'll feel inspired, empowered, and connected to the spirit of life beyond the city limits. Visit www.trailblazerco.com to shop all issues. You're definitely wanting to collect them all. So this story, Aaron, <laughs> I didn't even ask, but like just yeah. I just you know, there's probably some people listening to this that don't know what the term rescue means. So could you Mm. explain what kind of situation a horse might be in, how you find out about it, what steps you go to get them, purchase them,
2: you know, and and why it's a time sensitive thing.
0: Tell us what that really means. Thank you for making me take a step backwards. I'm so in the trenches on this every day. I sometimes forget to zoom out and and start from the beginning. So often when laws are passed, it's for well-intended purposes that there's actually unintended consequences. So here in the United States, animal welfare groups made it illegal to slaughter horses in the United States. Thinking that that was going to save horses, what it actually did was up the price of horse meat in Canada and Mexico, and it was not illegal to send horses abroad. So what happened was American horses, instead of being slaughtered here humanely, are now being slaughtered in Mexico, where there is no regulation, no humane standards. You know, those folks don't have to follow the same rules and requirements that my friends who produce meat here in the United States have to. I'm sure Canada's the same too. Um, It's the Mexican slaughterhouses that we deal with a lot. So when I started this journey, about 100,000 domestic horses were being slaughtered now we're down to below 40,000. So I think that's due to advocacy, education. A lot of a lot of people didn't know that when they took a horse to a low dollar auction, 70% of the buyers are in the slaughterhouse pipeline. We call them kill buyers. And most horses under $600 is kind of the danger zone where they can be intercepted. So we started rescuing them, rehabbing them, retraining them we try to outbid the kill buyer at auction just to kind of cut out the middleman. But there are some kill pens that have USDA slaughter contracts with Mexico that we also pull from. Okay. Okay. okay.
1: So what is the process then to acquire uh, the horses that you're earmarked that you want to bring back home?
0: People always ask me what I look for. I don't know. I've just been doing it for a long time and out of Over 500 horses, there's only been one or two that we probably got in over our head on. We pull most of them from Texas just because the Texas uh, corridor heads down to Mexico. Mm -hmm. So we try to outbid and purchase at Bowie Auction and Elkhart Auction. And those are some lower dollar auction houses where these traders, so horse buyers from all across the U.S., will gather cheap free horses off Craigslist, Facebook, other auctions, Billings Livestock Auction is another low dollar one, and bring them down to Texas as kind of the last stop. And so we will we have donors that support. My husband and I don't pay ourselves. We donate back into the rescue, and we try to get these low dollar horses rehab. We do have some great trainers we work with as well if we get something that needs to be started under saddle or has maybe a small behavioral issue to get them safe before they're adopted out.
2: Okay. Okay. And how often are you at those auctions? Or like, is this like a weekly date? What is
0: what does that look like? That's a really good question. It depends on how donations are coming in. It's been kind of a slow year this year with the economy. But typically, we try to watch the auction about once a month. I don't go anymore. I watch Elkhart online on YouTube. We have a bidder's number and then we've got a really great partner. We call him Uncle Jerry, a retired gentleman in Texas who will actually pick up, quarantine, and then bring them to Arizona for us. It was really hard for me to go and be there in person and make decisions. So it's it's been a little easier for me now that I'm separated and watching through a computer screen.
2: We've had the, the privilege of talking with you two or three times over the last year on Zoom. And just the person that you are, like you've got such a, Quiet fortitude, yet conviction. conviction (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think, like, what kind of. You have to have a special personality to do what you're doing. And first of all, to decide, like, I'm, I'm starting this. I'm making it my personal mission to rescue as many horses as I can. And yet I sense that you're a highly sensitive woman and such a huge heart. How do you balance those two sides of yourself? Or how do you bring those to show up at the table when you need to be more one than the other? Because I think that's a really special quality that you have.
0: You know, I like to say I operate in the gray space a lot because a lot of my friends in the rescue community are vegan, strong animal rights advocates that make donations to the ASPCA PETA, and that's part of me. But the other part of me is a hunter, a meat eater, and I just expect the meat that we're consuming as humans to be ethically sourced, treated humanely, and that is unfortunately not what happens with these horses. And also for me in that gray area is the beef that I eat is treated very differently than a horse that was trained, broke broke to ride and worked for a human being. So for me, you know, those are very different situations, you know, just like Temple Temple Grandin revolutionized meat production for beef. uh, You know, I think that we as carnivores can still respect where our food comes from and people people should be asking more questions. Where is this horse meat coming from? What sort of drugs are in it? Because a lot of these horses were pets, racehorses, you know, so the meat is not even healthy or safe for human consumption. And even though it's being processed in Mexico, it's coming back across the border. And for me, I owe these horses everything. They helped me build a business as a small female business owner. They helped get me to where I am today. And so even though the individual horses didn't do that, I know that all these rescue horses can touch other people the way that mine have touched my life. And having them go on to join therapy programs for veterans, people who have lost children to grief, to fentanyl overdoses, it gets me a little emotional because I'm just the, I'm just the connector. I'm just the one that saw the horse in the skinny body. And then watching them graduate and go do bigger and better things after the ranch is really, really, really fuels my fire.
1: Yeah. So let's mm-hmm. let's touch into that. So graduate, <clears throat> how long do you generally have a horse with you? How do you select the homes that they'll go to? Tell us about that.
0: That's my favorite part. It's always bittersweet seeing them leave, but also we usually have waiting lists for most of our horses. Folks submit applications. We'll usually get a few paragraphs on why they're a great home. We try to To visit the facility. One of our mayors we saved from auction, she actually went to another 501c3 called the Godspeed Project. And their founder, Megan, lost her son to a fentanyl overdose and is now using rescue horses to help heal broken families. So Alex and I got to meet her multiple times. We got to drop Pretty Girl the horse off. And now we get to see her helping people. Because really, for me, it's about how can we help animals to be tools to help other people. And for me, We've all been misunderstood, especially as women, and I have sort of seen that in the rescue horses. There's this false narrative that they've done something to deserve to be there, just like shelter dogs. Mm -hmm. And usually it's a lack of understanding. If we trace a horse back that has a freeze brand, 90% of the time the former owner had no idea that they ended up in the slaughterhouse pipeline. And that's the other thing, because this horse slaughter is not humane or Really documented well, you know all of our cows here in Arizona are branded. the brand inspector checks them before they're sent to process. These horses are coming from all over the u s branded, some of the race horses are microchipped, uh, and there's not really any oversight on, hey, is this horse actually supposed to be here? Does whoever this br- this brand is registered to know this animal is here And so that's a little upsetting too. so we try to freeze brand our rescues, so when they are adopted out, If someone breaches the contract or uh, adoption agreement, I can say, "Oh my gosh, I know that horse, or that's one of Kate's horses." Okay, okay,
2: okay, Okay. wow. And I'm sure you're going to say yes to this question, but have there been horses that you've rehabbed that you are like, "I can't, uh, this is, this is adding to our herd. (laughs) I can't let go of this one."
0: I've gotten better, and if my husband were here, he would vouch for you know I've shown a little more restraint now that we don't own the trail ride company. I used to be able to keep twenty to twenty five because they were they were working, but now we're down to four personal horses. Zane, my first Appaloosa that I told you guys about, Um, Alex's two roans. He's a roan guy. I'm I'm team a good horse is a good horse. It doesn't matter what color it is, but my husband my husband loves the roans, and one of his roans we got as a state confiscation at auction. So someone had not been treating their horses well. The state got involved here in Arizona. They have to go to auction because they're property of the state. And we picked him up there. And then Alex's other roan filly, we got her as an unhandled baby. Alex was not a horse guy when we met. He fell in love with her. We saved her. And he's actually started and broke her himself. And he now he he now ropes on her. She's five years old. And that was one of my proudest moments is watching my we don't need another horse husband pick one out, bond with her, you know, start her with groundwork, break her. And now, you know, they work in the branding pens together when we go, when we go to brandings at friends' cattle ranches. And for me, a hor- a horse is a partner, not food. And so it's really cool to watch my husband and his Philly Groovy work at cattle ranches of our friends together. And then our most recent one, Tigger. He came off the trailer. He had one eye, and he just fell asleep on my shoulder, tied to the hitching post. He just picked. He just picked me, and we had to get a four horse trailer instead of a three horse for our personals. Okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's
1: wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, Aaron and I have had the privilege in the past. We took a. I was back in 2015. Took a program. Assist, equine Assisted Learning. And so we learned how to, you know, be in the arena with horses as partners to help people. So I really, we really get that, what you're talking about, how powerful horses are for people. They help us see our way through tough situations. They help heal hearts. They help build leadership all different kinds of things. So we were just really excited to talk to you about this today, because this is a side of it that most people don't know about, Mm -hmm. don't want to think about. Mm -hmm. Certainly it turns my stomach to think of horses being slaughtered. That just is so sacrilegious, you know, in that regard. So what is your big why in this? Like, you know, if you, Kate, you look to the future 10 years from now, What do you want to be thinking and feeling and knowing that you that you did or your contribution or whatnot? Because you can't do work like this kind of half-hearted.
0: That is a great question. And I think so often we're caught in the day-to-day of just putting one foot in front of the other and tackling the tasks at hand. I think for me, I always ask myself, what would six-year-old Kate think? She would be thrilled she had her own Appaloosa. And I think shocked that we've rescued 500 others but for me it's not about the individual horses that we're saving those are they're great tools and it's important you know it's the starfish story for every horse that is saved it matters to them horses are still being slaughtered and exported every day for me it's about growing a movement and educating other people about taking better care of their senior horses and hey that horse that you've had for 20 years instead of giving it to someone for free Maybe you just do the right thing and retire it, even if it costs you some money, or you euthanize it if it has health concerns instead of passing the buck. So for me, each horse we save is an education opportunity. Bigger picture, though, I want other young women in their 20s to have confidence in themselves to look at what we did and and say, wow, whatever my dream is, no matter how crazy, I can make that happen, too, because like we touched on I was raised by strong women, strong family, hard workers, but not everyone is afforded that luxury. And so I would love for other young women who maybe didn't have the supportive family I did to look at our story and say, holy crap, I can do that too. You know, and as as Alex and I are thinking about becoming parents, hopefully sooner rather than later, I want our kids to feel the same way that, you know, they can do anything they put their mind to with a little bit of grit and determination and not everyone's going to supporting you. And so take pictures and, and prove them wrong. And, and I think for me, too, just a greater compassion for animals. You know, I think the way we treat our elderly and our animals says a lot about where we are at as a society. Um, and this sort of throwaway mindset. Almost all of, all of the horses that we've saved were broke to ride. Maybe need a little maintenance. Easily could have been rehomed with a kiddo that wanted to learn to rope. So for me, I think it's it's a, a symptom of where we're at as a society and just throwing things away instead of putting in the time, money or maintenance that these horses need.
2: Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that. yeah. That's a much bigger perspective, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What would you say,
2: you know, from the outside looking in would be something that would surprise people about running a nonprofit and your experience that we can't even think of because we don't have, we're not in it, but what would be most surprising to people to learn?
0: So a lot of up and coming 501c3s will ask us, oh, you know, what's the process to become a nonprofit? And I always have to warn them that even when you get that distinction, that tax distinction, you can now collect donations. Your donors can get the write off on their personal taxes. Getting that nonprofit distinction doesn't automatically equate to donations. Um, a lot of folks will start off privately rescuing and then they will assume, okay, now we're officially a nonprofit. The IRS has granted us that. Donations are going to come in. Grants are going to come in. And it's just not that simple. So, for me, that's been the biggest struggle for us. We made the jump. We spent the money to become a 501c3, but that didn't automatically equate to more money coming in the door. We still we still have to hustle. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. It just qualified you for it. Yeah. yeah. You've got to hustle for it. Yeah. And
1: so what are some of the things that you do to bring in donations? I mean, there's probably an awareness campaign that goes with that. Can you walk us through some of the ways that people could donate and and how do you get people on side for the cause, so to speak?
0: Gosh, I am an entrepreneur at heart, so it's hard for me to just ask for money. So we've tried to come up with some creative ways. We do raffles. We'll do a Yeti cooler where folks can donate $20 and they'll have a chance to win. And we only raffle off, you know, we only offer so many spots. So not only are they donating, they also have a chance to win something really great All of my collaborations on my Cowgirl Kate Instagram and TikTok, every single paid collaboration is a donation to The Rescue, which is really cool for me. I don't need to make money doing it. We also get to gain a little bit of traction and share our story with more and more Western brands that we collaborate with. My husband and I also donate into The Rescue because we always want to make sure we're self-sufficient. We never want to be in a position where if every donation stopped, Our horses are put in a bad position, and that's really important to both he and I. Um, We also have a shop, so luckybreakrescue.org. You can donate, or we also have some Save a Horse Rider Rescue swag, Um, and we have that trademarked uh, from when we started the trail ride company. So folks can purchase a hat, and it's also a donation. Um, And then we have some really great events that happen annually. One of them is our Ranch Bash, so it's kind of our open house here at the ranch in Phoenix. And then we also get to bartend at Market in the Mountains in Springdale, Washington. And so they use our five oh one C three to get their liquor license. So it's a really mutually beneficial situation. And then we bartend some of our, our corporate sponsors like Ranch Water, some wineries, will donate the alcohol. And then we get to sell drinks at Market in the Mountains. That's amazing. Well, and yeah. we
1: were talking with Jessica recently and we definitely want to go to the
0: next one. We figured yes, it's only an eight hour drive. <laughs> Yeah, we can do that. We do that on the weekend anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. It would be awesome to meet you guys in person. And the event is just right up your alley. And all of the women there are women that could be cover features on Trailblazer because all of them are just incredibly driven, talented. It blows my mind because I have no artistic ability whatsoever.
2: Do you ever feel stuck in your life or like you're not completely aligned with your unique strengths and talents? Or maybe you want to do more and be more, but you just don't know how.
1: We want to change that for you. We're going to help you explore the parts of you that are gutsy and resilient, the parts of you that have been shaped by your life experiences,
2: the parts of you that want to live your life on purpose. Take the Discover Your Trailblazer Traits quiz today. It only takes three minutes. This quiz will show you how your unique combination of traits has helped to define how you see the world and your place in it.
1: And here's the truth. We all have these traits, but we have them in greater or lesser degrees, which makes us all different. When you are certain about your unique
2: value, then you can really shape the path you walk in your life. Take the Discover Your Traits quiz today, and we'll help you forge a path that feels like coming home. Visit our website, www.trailblazerco.com forge slash Traits-quiz. That's T-R-A-I-T-S-Q-U-I-Z. Or find us over on Instagram at Trailblazer Co. and DM us the word traits quiz all together. I wanted to ask, how do you utilize so I I'm I watch your Instagram stories on your Cowgirl Kate account and your, the way your community rallies is incredible. Can you talk a little bit about how you you utilize and leverage social media for Lucky Break?
0: Honestly, we've grown a little slower than I would like in recent years, but I also know that we've never compromised on what we do. What we do may not be for everyone, especially in the ag community. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that don't understand how complex it is or that maybe there are steps we could take to move us in the direction that I would like to see. You know there's no magic wand, but for me, I'm 35. I didn't get on social media to be an influencer or to wear fast fashion or to show my outfit changes. It just sort of happened organically because of what we were what we were doing. And so I truly believe that all of the people we found connected and are still with us are 100% bought in on what we're doing. I hope they know who I am. I hope they know that every dollar they donate I spend through the rescue the way I would spend my own money. And that's really important to me. I've been a fundraiser professionally and I want all of my clients, donors to feel the same too. It's it's tough out there right now. And so I know that when people choose to give to us or support us or click share, that it's coming from their heart too. And I hope that they can see my heart and I might not be for everyone and that's okay. I can wake up every morning and know that that, that Kate is the Kate that is the real Kate too.
1: When we had our interview for your article, uh, I had asked, we had asked a question, who would you like to have dinner with if you could could choose anyone? (laughs) And you said Miranda Lambert and I'm going, yeah, because we've, we have loved Miranda forever. I think even in one of our create books, which is a creative process we do, I've got a picture of her that someday we'd like to meet, connect or, you know, do something with her, but tell us... Why Why Miranda? <laughs> what is it about Miranda that, yeah, is there for you?
0: I have just always felt that we were soul sisters, kindred spirits, say it like it is. I think it's extremely admirable when someone has a massive platform to use it for something good. I've always admired the work that both she and her mom Bev do for Mutt Nation. Before I got into horse rescue, I actually had a small pointing breed bird hunting rescue. And so that's actually how how I sort of dipped my toes and realized, hey, the animal is usually not the problem. It's usually just a situational change that has put them at the shelter or the kill pen. So for me, the fact that Miranda has been uncompromising in spaying and neutering your animals, supporting small sanctuaries that take in dogs that other people wouldn't want, I felt like there was just a lot of similarity to what we were trying to do in the horse world. And also, you know, I'm sure as a celebrity, it's easy to... Get the flashiest, best breed out there. And she's stayed true to who she is and using her voice for good and, you know, selling Mutt Nation items at Tractor Supply. I just love that she is an entrepreneur, a hustler, and also this really talented singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And heart of gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heart of gold. But also, if you don't like it, that's okay. And I really respect that. And I think the, the, the older we get as women, the more unapologetic we are. And I've admired that she's always been that way.
1: Yes, yeah. she she handles it all uh, in her own style. And yeah. it is totally admirable. Yeah. Do you ever plan to have, you mentioned that Mutt Nation has a line of uh, products through Tractor Supply. Do you have any plans for, you know, creating a, a horse? Line for yeah. a Lucky Break?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not officially in the works, but I would love to see that happen. I personally would love to do a better job, too, of maybe getting some of the individual rescue stories on paper and doing children's books or things like that. That's that's sort of in my long, I need to be better because in marketing, I always say one is greater than 10 million. And that's that one story of that one horse is going to resonate more than me throwing facts and figures at people and saying, oh, my gosh, 40,000 nameless, faceless horses are slaughtered every year. You know, how can I share the story of the one horse and how special they are to kind of break through and change the narrative? Yeah.
1: yeah, Right. Because then we can relate to it, right? We it's personal. We got we have details and story is always a way to reach people, touch people, touch their imagination, touch their hearts,
2: mm-hmm. um, all the rest mm-hmm. of it. What would you say is the number one way that you've grown as a woman through all of this, through what you've created and and, and also your plans for the future?
0: I, I think for me, it's to just trust the process and trust the journey and know that even if it's a crazy wild idea, your village is going to rally around you and support you and that anything is possible. If you believe in yourself, if you surround yourself with good people who also believe in you, you know. I knew I was going to rescue horses because failure was not an option with the small business. But I had no idea the magnitude of people that we would reach, how much my business would grow when we started leading with the good things that we were doing. You know, and I think just as a woman growing in confidence in myself over the last eight years, going from that late 20s, I think I can rescue a few horses and I'm not going to tell anyone where I'm getting these horses. To, yeah, we did that, and other women should, you know, build a business, make a change. And for me, now it's looking back and saying, I should have started rescuing more horses sooner and believed in them sooner. And I'm almost embarrassed that I didn't believe in myself and them sooner. And I think, too, there's a lot of times where we sit at home and we see these horrible things happening in society, and we think someone should do something about that. And well, Why can't that someone be you doing something about that? And when I started rescuing, it wasn't cool. I was sort of on an island by myself. And now I see all these small rescues popping up on Instagram and huge rescues, you know, raising $10,000, $20,000 a weekend. I'm like, wow, it's not about me. It's about what all of us collectively can do. And that's been really cool to watch. Wow.
1: I love that attitude because collaboration over competition you know we hear that phrase a lot these days but i really see that women walk it we don't just we're not just saying it to to be trendy or whatnot and i think you're just a really a living example of that and i um do you have people come to you and want to pick your brain on how to do it like how do you how do you help empower other people who are just Thinking about it, tentatively, you know, dipping their toes in the water. How do you uh,
0: support them? My DMs are always flooded with women who want to start a small business, want to get into rescue. You know, the caveat is always seek legal counsel or advice from your accountant because I'm neither of those things. But women can always DM me. I'm here to support you. There's also great resources in the rural community. You guys, this magazine, I know Jessica at Moose Valley Ranch, they're starting to do a workhorse, almost women's mastermind. But I think there's so much, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think there's so much vapid, mindless things on social media right now that it's easy to feel frustrated or uninspired. But I have to take a step back and realize, oh my gosh, I've gotten to meet so many incredible women that are like-minded on this platform, that it actually is a great connecting tool. And we aren't, we aren't competing. There's plenty of room at the table. You just have to find your niche and pull up your chair. And I truly believe that. And some of the women that I've met on Instagram, because they've shown who they really are, I try to show who I really am, are friends that I will have for life. And I'm really grateful for that. And so I sometimes the social media gets a little frustrating, especially being like the old lady of the influencer world. And I also didn't wake up like, man, I, I want to be an influencer. I just want to influence people to treat their animals better, to start that small business. So I, I guess in that sense, I'll, I'll hold the title. But it's been so cool to watch my fellow females on social media just go out and do incredible things.
1: Yeah. Do what they want to do. Wow. Well, yeah. You're a role model.
2: Can can we jump to your husband for a second? Because I, I feel like, did you just totally luck out in that he jumped into this world with you? Like, cause, as you said, he wasn't a horse guy before. So how did you manage that? Like, how did that happen?
0: <laughs> we met through friends of a friend and I'd just gone through a bad, bad breakup and was kind of like not interested in men at all. And we were friends first. He kept showing up to the ranch and the ranch was my baby. You know, I had my dog, my horses and and Kate. And I was really protective of that. And he just kept showing up and working his ass off. And the fact that he would show up and work harder than I did said a lot to me. I mean, he's a buff guy. So physically, there were some things he could do that I couldn't do. And he was an outdoorsman. So we had the same values. We both had bird dogs. We both like to hunt. So we had these commonalities. We like to hike. But he was my friend and supported me before anything else came after that. And I will always be grateful because looking back, I don't think I could have done it this long without it. I also had some great male wranglers. One of them was an older gentleman who's been a vet tech and farrier and rancher forever. that Knows almost as much about horses as God, probably. And he taught me a lot. So, like, I'm a, I'm a girl's girl and a champion. But also, I'm so grateful for those guys that believed in me early on, including Alex. And he just took to it like a fish in water and he's probably a better horseman than me now because he's very disciplined very methodical repetition and i'm kind of the well i'm gonna hop on this horse and see what happens uh and alex is more of that let's let's lunge let's do groundwork let's um so he is the yin to my yang and i think that's what makes us such a great partnership
2: i'm so glad we're sharing your story and i think like you are such a true trailblazer and you've got such a dynamic personality, so many sides to you. And it's incredible to see what you've created. So as a woman, as Kate, what do you, what would surprise people that they don't know about you? Not as your role in, in the nonprofit or as a wife, but just as a
0: woman. Oh Gosh. So my daytime job, I know a lot of people see Cowgirl Kate. I work in public policy, political education. I'm just really passionate about people showing up and working for change, whether it's in the nonprofit space, the political space. You know, I think that there are a lot of people who want to sit on the sidelines while their country or their state is going in a direction that they don't want. So I'm also just really passionate about if you don't like something or you're concerned about what the future for you guys, your province looks like or your state or your city, then show up and do something about it. You know, for me, I'm just a doer and I'm passionate about, hey, let's preserve the things that we love that have afforded all of us the ability to carve out this lifestyle or to start that small business. So that's sort of the other side of me. You know, I'm based in D.C. for work. So that Kate's very different than being in my comfort zone at the ranch in Arizona. It yeah, well, I yeah. love
1: that phrase you used, working for change because that means you got skin in the game and I can definitely, you know, through every facet of your story, watch this path you've walked and grown yourself into doing it and then uh, making a difference like 500 horses. That's amazing. But what maybe you've inspired other women to do in terms of business or starting Mm -hmm. rescues or the other things. So you can see the trickle effect of your work and it is working for change. So that's just really cool. So where, how can people find out more about you Uh, social, website, all the things. And donate. Yes.
0: Well, we we appreciate every donation and thank you for everyone who's listened this far. I'm at cowgirl.kate with a C, C C-A-I-T. And then on Instagram, our rescue page is Lucky Break Rescue is the handle. Our website is luckybreakrescue.org. I'm not very good at Facebook. A lot of our transformations new intakes a lot of the stories of rescues that have been adopted a lot of that's going to be on instagram but we'd love to earn your follow and we just appreciate everyone listening to the horse's story i'm a little better on instagram about sharing you know the horse's name what they've been through before and afters um so you know if you're a visual person a lot of that good stuff is on instagram
2: Yeah. Head over there. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Kate, thank you. Thank you for being on. And I, it's just going to (laughs) be such a beautiful follow-up to your feature article in the spring issue. And it was just our complete pleasure to, to talk with you and share your story. And I'm touched by you as a woman. You're just, just a beautiful heart of gold woman who's doing incredible things. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being you.
0: Well, I just, wanted to thank you girls too for the opportunity to share their story and just everything you're doing to empower women through your beautiful magazine i think we need more of that and you do it so beautifully i'm just humbled and honored that you guys even reached out oh
2: thank Thank you you. (laughs) we love it
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well
2: thanks again (laughs) wasn't that such a great conversation if you're like us and love learning through the power of storytelling head on over to our website www.trailblazerco.com for loads of valuable stories and ideas just like from today's episode
1: and while you're at it be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter and have trailblazer insights from yours truly recipes diys and more delivered straight to your inbox every week catch you next time trailblazers